your faith in the textbook? Well, yes, that's what, that's what science says. It's in the textbook. He says, so you're putting your faith in a book that's been written by man. Isn't it amazing how they say you're weak-minded if you put your faith in the Bible written by God, but you're not if, you're, if you put your faith in a book written by man. You're putting your faith in something, and really kids, our teenagers and our kids, they need to see and really realize that science actually leans toward the Word of God than it does toward what man, because they can't have God in the equation, so they have to make up a whole lot of other reasons how things happen because they've taken the main piece out of the equation. Does that make sense? And so it is worth a trip to go down there and uh, actually be a part of that. Now, we're talking about salt of the earth and to steward your influence. We all have a resource that most of us don't realize we have. And how many in here feel like you have influence? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You feel like you have influence. The reality is that Everyone in here should have raised their hand. You all have influence. But the lie of the enemy, and there's a lie that has caused us to believe we don't have influence because we're not celebrities or we're not people with, with a million followers on whatever platform you think is important. We, we, have, we really have no idea of the influence we have and we have no idea how much one conversation, word of encouragement, one expression of our love might change someone's life. One phone call that can change your life. You have influence. And I was looking at influence. When I was looking at it, I thought, I'm going to look up what the definition of influence was. And what came up was modern day definition of influence. And this is interesting because um, I have daughters... And one of them is going on dates with somebody, but she's not dating them. I, and it's even been explained to me how that works, and it still doesn't make sense. Right? So you're going on a date. Yes, Dad. And he's paying for the date. Yes, Dad. And you're going multiple times. Yes. And you're not dating? And all the young people in here are like, yeah, don't you get it? <laughs> right? No, I don't. Here's a modern-day definition of influence. And, I, and, the, and what, so what you think is influence, or at least what I thought, if you're older, what you think is, is not what is the definition of influence today. Here's, here, it said modern-day definition of influence. When I Googled it, I'm like, that's curious. I, I want to see what a modern-day definition of influence were. The fact that they had to say modern-day says it's going to be different what you, than what you thought it was. Here's, an influencer is a person that has the power to affect the purchase decisions of others based on their authority, knowledge, or relationship with the audience. That that's what influencers become, a way to manipulate you to buy something that you don't want to buy. <laughs> right? And, and for me, that's hard to accept, especially with the fact that when I grew up, influence was something, like an influencer was like a teacher or a coach or a pastor or someone in my life that was actually more concerned about me and they influenced me to help me. Where influence has become 
about using my influence to get you to do something that helps me. And that's how many of us in this room think about influence. Because that's what we've been told that influence is. Even those who are older today, you've been constantly told you want to increase your influence. You want to increase your influence. You want to increase your influence. Why? So that you can get people to help you have a better life. And God has given us influence not to burn on us, but to to influence people for them, to actually influence them for their good. And we're all kind of falling into this trap. It's sad. So let me give you, and Matthew, let me, because I think we need to reclaim influence. I think we need to reclaim the idea of what influence is for. And the Bible says in Matthew 5.13, you. Now, who's saying this? I'll give you a little hint. It's in red letters. Who's saying this? Yeah, it's amazing how red letters help. Uh, you, 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 you are. Not that you need to work to become. Not that you need to try hard to be. Not that you got to learn how. You are. That's what the scripture says. You are the salt of the world. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Because that's what salt does. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. So many people, we want to legislate our morality. We want politicians that would vote laws into place that would force people to glorify God. That's, that's literally because we don't want to do our assignment. I don't want to be the salt of the world. So I want my politicians to vote laws into place that make them do what I want them to be. I'll come back to that. Turn to the person next to you and say, you know what? You're awfully salty. Now, you may be married and came to church with someone and you wanted to tell them that. You were salty, right? My wife made t-shirts that says salty on it. And I said, that really describes you this morning. You really need to wear that t-shirt. You're very salty. She has those moments. Uh, And then turn to the other. All of us do. All of us do. Sorry. How that came across was not how I intended it. (laughs) All of us are salty. Now turn to the other person. Now she's salty for sure. On the car ride to Apple Valley, I will hear it. (laughs) Now turn to the other person and say, you're pretty shiny. Okay, here's the thing. You are. What I love about the Bible is you were created in the image of God. So you don't have to work to be salty. You just are. You are the light of the world. You just are. If you're a believer in Christ, you are a light. The question is, is are you covering the light? Or is it being covered in your life? Or is, are you out in the open on it? Have you come out of the closet? Are you shining to the people around you? Do they know who you are? True True, and this is an important statement, true and lasting influence always starts with people before a platform. 
So if you start with a platform, it'll never be about people. And there are many believers that are like, Pastor, please tell me my purpose. I need to, I need to know how do I find my purpose? How do I get a platform to have influence? Influence does not start on a platform. Influence starts in relationships. And if you're searching for a platform, you're, you're not going to find it. It's when you're searching to help people, when your heart's right, that the platform finds you, if there is a platform. And there doesn't even need to be a platform for you to be an influencer. Now, I'm going to talk about this again at the end of the message, but the reality is we're so focused on the world and how messed up the world is and how we got to change the world that we, we never, never impact it, that, that mission at all because we've lost focus. We don't need to change the world. We just need to change our world. We need to see the people in our world and focus on the people in our world and let the other believers in the world worry about their worlds. And before you know it, as a collective force, we change all of it. Now, it's interesting because we live in a world, uh, in this culture that's a cancel culture culture, right? And uh, if you don't agree with us, in fact, there's a couple here from Michigan uh, this morning uh, that I had the privilege of marrying many years ago, and they're sitting over here, Stephen Bartris, and uh, uh, she was telling me, she works at this place, she's uh, one of the managers of this place, and, and somebody came up to her and said, you know, I, I really gained a lot from you, I've really learned and heard what you've said, and I've thought a lot about you, but, but when I found out who you voted for, I just don't know what to do with you anymore, basically, is that right? And, and literally, that's what we become. And we look at that and we kind of, oh, man, that's terrible. But we do the same thing. Immediately, if someone tells you that they voted for the person opposite that you voted for, immediately in your brain, you get an image of that person that's not very kind. Someone, someone say, if you're guilty... Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. Or, or if they agree with something that you don't agree with, whether with the vaccines or masks or, or George Floyd or all of the things you can, the grocery store of things you can pick off the shelf right now to disagree on, immediately if they don't, you get this perception of that person. And you know who's behind that perception? Satan. Because he's trying to divide you. To see that person other than the object of God's love. Because if you no longer see them as the object of God's love, they become an enemy to you. You will no longer pray for them or love them or even try to influence their life as the Bible says to influence their life to Christ. Because they're an enemy. They're an obstacle. They're against you. Right? So let me, let me uh, do something here. I need some help. So I need Pastor Anthony to come on up here and your whole row follow you. Uh, come on up here. <laughs> Guys, come on up here. Both of you, come on up here. Okay? Now, I need uh, Devin, come up here. Stay right there for a moment. Stay right there. Okay, so Anthony, he, he is, he believes um, that uh, the sky is blue. <laughs> right? I did cereal in the first service, and he didn't think it was bad for you. How, how many know cereal is actually bad for you? Right? Can I use that one? So, okay, I'm going to use that one. Cereal. So he believes cereal is bad for you, like it's destructive to your body. It's not going to send you to hell, but it's not good for your body. Okay? 
Some of you think, oh, thankfully, he's not sending me to hell. Okay, if you eat it. Okay? So, so he believes that it's bad for you. Okay? But Devin thinks it's just fine, right? And you should be able to do that. So, so, so he's like, Anthony is like, you know, Devin, it's really not good for you. But Devin's like, no, I like it, right? Now, in this setting, uh, uh, th there can be a conversation, right? Look at this verse. Stay right there. Look at the verse. Put the next slide up there. Uh, go back to that. Go back to that slide. We, what we need to do is be shrewd. Because when the world feels like it's against us, when there seems like the whole world is going to hell in a handbasket, how many have thought that? Come on, be honest. Right? If you're over 30, you think the world's going to hell in a handbasket. If you're in your 20s, you're like, eh. I, I don't see it. I'm not seeing it. I, I just don't see it. Right? Can, can I make you aware of something? That's the way it's always been. When you were in your 20s, you remember your parents and grandparents saying, the world is in tribulation right now. You know? How many remember that? But the young people, they're in it. They're like, eh whatever, right? Okay, so, so, so you think it's going, and we get so overwhelmed by everything that's happening and all the bad that's happening that we almost, we, we get almost overwhelmed and, and, we, and we lose our head. We get angry at people. We get angry at, 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 at government. We get angry at the church. We get upset and mad, and we lose our head. And we burn our influence on stupid stuff, making stupid statements because we're angry and upset that the world's going the way it's going and it feels like there's nothing I can do to stop it. Is it right? The Bible says you need to keep your head. You need to be shrewd. We are not going to change the world by getting mad and angry and losing control of our thoughts. We have to be wise. We have to be shrewd. And we have to look at the strategic plan of how to bring back, how to literally be a light and salt in this world. We have to be the church. We have to be stewards of our influence. Right? How many are following? So, so here is this. He, he knows cereal is bad. He's just, the Bible says cereal is bad for you, okay? <laughs> he doesn't think it's bad. And at this level, it's not a big issue. But when you, okay, come on in. We'll put, put all of it. Come on, come on up here, Becca, Brian. Come on up here, Janelle. Come on up here. Yeah. Stand right behind, right behind Devin, right? All right, right, right. Come on up here. Come in, Zach and Pastor Zach and Amy. Come on up here. Stand, stand up on the platform. Yeah, so everybody sees you're beautiful. You, same thing happened in Richfield. Everybody moved to the back. Why is that? Okay, now, now, this, this is what's happening, and this is what it feels like, okay? Now I want you to do this, and I want you to put up and put your finger like that and say, cereal is good. Cereal is good. Now start chanting it. Stand, start chanting it. Start chanting. Okay. Now, are you, okay, and this is what's happening. When the crowd starts chanting in your ear, you're wrong. At some point, unless you're my personality, because <laughs> there are some. Now, granted, there are personalities that just think, right? But, in, but at some point, you start to question what you believe to be true. Because could all of them be getting it wrong? Maybe I'm wrong. And then we do this. Then we look to the Bible and say, maybe the Bible didn't mean it that way. Or maybe the Bible 
It was just for that time. So we start to question the word of God and the authority of that word. And we start to let the influence of this world around us impact what we believe. Because it's, it's a natural, the thing God put in us to be connected to people becomes a weapon against us when it's a lie. Because we want to fit in, and because I so badly want to fit in, I adapt, I try to take this and read it into the Bible and change that rather than recognize. So go to the verse, the next verse. Here's, you are an influence of them. Don't let them, but that's what's happening. So you see this, this, this harsh tension in the church where people are coming from the outside, being influenced by the world, now wanting their church to adapt, not based on the word of God. And listen, if the word of God says something, there's a lot of churches that aren't following the word of God because they had traditions that they're following. And there are, there are areas where people are coming in and where we have to adapt, and we need to adapt if the word of God says that. But the word is the anchor, not popular opinion or culture or what's right or wrong. And, and I'll say this in one of the life hacks, you're going to see this. The, it, there's worldviews. A worldview is how you view the world, right? In the Bible, it's truth and lies. When you come into Christ, you now view the Bible through truth and lies. Truth and lies never change, but right and wrong do. Right and wrong do change. What the world says is right may not be right today. Like literally. Now I'm going to say this, and this is a very controversial thing. I actually say it in the life hack. Back in the 1800s, slavery was right. It was right. It was never the truth. It was right. Now it's wrong, and what's right today lines up with the word of God. But back in the 1800s, the Bible never said it was truth. Right and wrong constantly changes based on where the culture's at. Does that, that make sense? So you can't change with the culture. We really need to stay in, and, and in a culture where our young people don't know the Bible because parents are not investing their kids in the scriptures. They're more concerned about them learning a sport or, and in fact, we live in a day and age where parents talk about more about how sports are developing in their children the character for life than they are the Word of God. Well, sports, man, they, they instill good values, how to work together, how to... Really? They, they've, they become the church of the heart. Does this make sense? Okay? Does this make sense? How many say, I've, I've felt this? I've actually felt this description. Okay, you guys can be seated. So we have to figure out how is it that, it, how do I influence a culture that seems like it's, it's piled up against me, like it's, it's all against me. And if all you see is the crowd, then what do you do? What I forgot to do, and this is what I was going to do. Um, uh, uh, Anthony, come up here quick again. Run up here fast. Okay. <laughs> That was good. So Anthony is right here, and, and this is what he do. Envision the crowd here, and they're doing this. What does Anthony do? I forgot to do this part. He goes over here and, and crouch underneath. I know, like, like what, what we do, what we do, that's actually exactly what we do. 
We go into the church, we cling to a post, and we hide. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it. Shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. I'm going to. But we're not following that. We're not shining. You're a light. The light of life is in you. But we've decided to hide under a bushel because I'd rather be accepted than shine. I don't want to draw the attention of people that are going to tackle me and cancel me out of culture and do all of that, which is a big lie in and of itself. I'm going to hide. And so we become like Anthony and we hide. And no one even knows that we're believers because we're too scared to even say anything. And we're not being salt. You can go. You, you look like you're enjoying that too much. <laughs> So in 2 Corinthians, look at this. The area of influence God assigned to us is to reach you. But our hope is that as your faith increases out of an area may be greatly, and your area will be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel lands beyond you. That you may find, like, like literally, what you have to do is recognize, okay, the whole world may seem like it's against me, but I'm going to keep my head and I'm going to focus on the world that I'm in. Okay, so there are two assignments God give us, and you'll find another one of these in Life Hacks. Some of this I'm preaching along with Life Hacks, uh, some of the truth, and this is one. The first assignment that we never talk about, God gave us, was to contribute back to society. The first is to contribute back to society. That we should have jobs and be working. If we can physically work, we need to be working. We say, oh, I'm not working that job that's way below me. I, I am much. Because we're in this social media world that says you got to be successful and your job is what makes you successful, what you do for a living. So if it's, if it's doing that, that appears like I'm not a success, so I'm not doing it. Listen, contribute back to society. That is a spiritual act of worship. Jesus says, when you work, do it as unto me. That I'm going to do what I do is unto the Lord because it's the first assignment God gave me was to get a job. Hallelujah. <laughs> if you're not working today, get a job. Right? Somebody say amen. amen. Because that's what we're to do. Okay? Whether you're young, our teenagers should get jobs. Right? No, dad and mom pay for everything. Well, they should stop. There should be some parents amening that. <laughs> right? They need to learn as a young age to do that. How many, how many adults today worked when you were in high school? Raise your hands. Okay. Raise your hand. Okay, put your hands down. How many of your kids work today? That's, I forgot I'm in Farmington. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Okay, here's number two. Here's number two. Right. Here's number two. You're a Christ ambassador. Somebody said to me, no, we're, our assignment was to worship. No, you, that's who you are. You're a worshiper. That's your identity. You're a worshiper. You're created as worship. These are assignments. First one, contribute back to society. The second one is you are a Christ ambassador, which means you have the responsibility in your world to be light and salt as though Christ were there. You operate in his authority, you operate in his power, you operate with his wisdom, you operate with his anointing, you operate in your world as though Christ is in that place, you're it. You say, Christ, where are you? He says, where are you? 
well, I don't know, Christ, I'm right here. And he says, then, I, then I'm there. Wherever you are, there he is. You know, wherever, he says, it, it, but God said to Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. This is holy ground, right? Why? Because God's presence is there. Wherever you go, you make it holy. You go into that toxic workplace, you say, I got to get out of there. It's a toxic workplace. It sounds like you should be there. Do you really think that workplace will ever change if you don't bring your holy ground into that place and change it? You need to redefine why you're there, why you're in that place, who you are. Isaiah 54 says, listen, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. I'm about to do something in your presence. I'm about to expand your territory and influence, and to whom much is given, much is required. Now, back about um, in 1975, there's a story of two uh, spiritual giants, Lauren Cunningham, Bill Bright, one was with YWAM. Uh, the other one was uh, with, uh, Bill Bright was with Campus Crusade for Christ. And in 1975, they happened to be in the same city, and they were going to get together for lunch. And the night before they got together for lunch, the Lord gave them a dream. And, it, and they went to lunch together, and they said, hey, I had this dream last night. I want to share it. And the other one said, so did I, and I have this dream too. And when they shared the dream, it was a similar, almost identically the same dream that they were sharing at, in the evening. And so they shared what it was, and what they realized is that there are seven areas of influence in our country that influence the culture of our country, seven areas that if we could, as believers, infiltrate those areas, that we could have a big impact in influencing what was going on in our society. You see, you can't just sit there, and this is, this is what happens. The Bible has called us to go, therefore, and make disciples of men. Right, And what we do is when we don't like political positions or the way things have gone in the vote, what we do is we pray and we ask God to, to somehow possess people to vote in a manner that's pleasing to what we want. How many know what I'm talking about? Right, That's not how it works. All of that stuff that's happening is happening because it represents who we become as a nation. You don't like what you see? It's because that's what we become as a nation. How we change that is by making disciples. If you're putting all your energy in trying to change something that won't change anything, you're wasting your time. Your influence has to be spent influencing the lives of people making disciples and then as we change the heart of the nation all of that other stuff changes so make i hope this is making sense. so seven areas though where we have influence here's the first one and it's the one place the church church still has influence still a place people come to when they have needs um, they still come when they're struggling in their marriage even if they don't believe in god the number of atheists that have come asking for marriage counseling because it was still a place where they felt like they could come to and get help Church still has influence, although it's waning. You, but, but an interesting fact, here's an interesting fact and, and, and that Barna put out regarding generations um, and whether they feel it's okay to share their faith, right? Now, I'll ask you this. How many, if, if you had a serum that helped grow hair, how many would be sharing that serum the, the understanding of that serum with everybody who's bald today like you'd look at a bald person you say hey i got something for you 
You're like, but they don't even know who you are. I know you don't know who I am, but I got a serum that will change your life. You put it on, it's going to look like, you know, like Kentucky bluegrass on top of your head. You just put it on there. It'll be so thick, and, and it's a serum. You, how many would share that if you had that serum, right? How many, if you, if you had a, 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 a medicine that if they took it, healed every kind of cancer there is, you would share that with somebody, right? How many would share that with somebody, okay? How many, if you had... Um, a, a routine or a formula that would help people who struggle with depression, and, and you said, you just do this just a few minutes every day, it's going to help you with depression. You would, you would do that, right? How many would do that? You have, well, you don't have the hair thing, but you have all that other stuff <laughs> in Jesus Christ. Do you know why we don't share it? Why is it so difficult? If it changed our life, if it's so incredible, if it's so amazing, if it's so life-changing, what is preventing me? And we say fear. But is it really fear? We wouldn't be afraid to talk to a stranger about hair serum because we believe it works. There is a lie that we believe that people just don't want to believe they, they just don't want to hear it. They don't want to do it. And here's, here's what Barna says. How many baby boomers in here? 47% of baby boomers believe in sharing their faith. 47% of baby boomers. Give them a hand. Gen Xers. I, I am a Gen Xer. I'm in the younger part of Gen Xing. Thirty-two percent <laughs> of Gen Xers believe in sharing their faith. Thirty-two percent. Millennials, how many millennials in here? Okay, millennials. Twelve percent of millennials believe in sharing their faith. Twelve percent. Gen Zers, how many Gen Zers in here? You got your Gen Zer. We got some Gen Zers in here. This is my kids' age. 4%. If we're not sharing our faith, friend, it's going to get a whole lot worse. You know, my grandfather was a pastor. He preached, you know, we need to be salt and light. And, and I've often sat there, you know how you and your kids, your kids are sitting there and they're listening to you and you're trying to get it across to your kids and they got that look on their face? Like, when are you going to get done? Uh, I've heard this a hundred times. That's a lot like it is right now. You've heard this a hundred times. But until you really find out what is preventing me from sharing this good news, do I believe it's good news? Do I believe it's good news? Here's the other areas of influence that it was talking about. Government. And we have become ruthless to people. We've attacked people. Why people don't want to run for government? It's because they don't want to be attacked on a personal level. 
and we attack people because we don't agree with where they stand, listen, remember this, they are the object of God's love. When you attack a person, you're attacking the object of God's love. You don't need to agree with what they're saying or what they stand for, and you can argue those points, but you should never attack the person. Can I give you just a little piece of advice? You ready for it? And, and I shouldn't have to tell people of God this, but I'm going to say it. Be nice. Be nice. Right? We have someone who's running for the school board here in Lakeville. And, and her name is all over the place. I mean, I was like, everybody knows who this person is in the room. I won't even say it because you've seen all the signs of it, right? Or over there. But, but she, her husband even told me it is extremely difficult what they're going through because of how people are attacking them and coming after them personally and their family. It isn't easy, but unless people become people of courage in the church and stand up and stop being wusses, you're being a wuss because you don't want to, you're, you're wanting to live your nice little confined little life and Paul went out and got stoned with rocks, like real rocks, to take the gospel. <laughs> There's, there are times God's calling us to things where you're going to get stoned with words. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but <laughs> words will never hurt me. And we know words hurt, right? But you're taking that beating for what? Because I believe in what God's calling me to do. That, so there are positions that you need to say, you know what, I need to run for this. This is important. I need to stand up. I need to be a voice. I need to be the light. I need to get out from underneath the bushel basket, and I need to stand up and say, no, I stand for something, I stand for something that's life-changing. You know why so many people struggle in their faith? Because they're bored out of their mind. They never test their faith. They never give God the opportunity to have to do something supernatural in their life. Third one, the third one, arts and entertainment. That used to be an extremely influential thing. It's not so much anymore because it's been replaced by another one. But education, education's extreme. We need people that are becoming teachers, that are godly people in the educational system. You know a big reason why the generation that we've seen, we've seen such a fall off from churches because teachers are, there are many teachers that don't have any concept of God or believe he doesn't exist. We need teachers back in the classroom that believe in God. And, and introduce people to the, well, you'll get fired. You can't do that. Actually, you can't. Great conversation. I'd love to have with you on it. Number five, business. We have, not, how many businessmen in here that we have Christian businessmen in here? And number six, these are all areas of, this is now the most dominant form of influence right now is social media. You don't even need to be, you, you don't even need to accomplish anything. If you get followers, you are influential. And becoming influential in social media and understanding how to do that. Even the online service, like just in the church, you can share something and reach more people than there are in this room through social media. It's incredible what you can do. Number seven, family. This is an interesting statistic. It's a dangerous one to share because single parents in this room can feel condemned. And, and I don't want you to feel that way. You're an important thing. But in every nation where single parent homes are over 50%, the country begins to crumble economically. Social, like literally, the strength of the family is what causes the nation to 
to, to grow and expand and succeed. It's an important part. So as believers, we have to be, we need strategic saltiness. Like as believers, you're saying, well, this is, this is church. Aren't you supposed to just give us a message? And we go, amen, amen, and amen. We go home and watch the Vikings do whatever they do. No, we are a movement in our city. And you have a place in that movement. You have a position. And it's not, you, sure, you need to serve in church and you serve in this place. But there is something far greater outside this church, a place where you need to shine, where you need to be a lighthouse to people who are hurting, a first aid station at the gate of hell, a hospital for hurting people, where you go out in your clinic somewhere and when you, you run into someone going through marriage problems, you don't say, well, you know what? We got this pastor. He's really nice. Uh, you should go and talk. To, no, you and your husband bring them in. You say, let, let, let's talk about what's going on. Let's just share what Christ can do in your marriage. Listen, they don't need all of your wisdom. What they need is your light. It's amazing how God will improve your marriage when you invest in others. It's true. Some, for some of you, the answer to your marriage is actually mentoring people in theirs. I always say, when we were young, I often said this, I, I did a ton of marriage counseling. I don't know why, but when I was in Michigan, I did tons of marriage counseling. And I remember often thinking, Lord, I'm not doing that. I'd hear what somebody did, check to self, don't do that. Right? I learned from a lot of other people's, and you can learn and grow from spending time with other people people and what they mistakes they made it's just a what you do and it's how you're salt so let me there are three important questions and i'm gonna go through them quick the first one is why should we be salt and light why should we we be in salt and light here's a very simple answer god really likes it there's a london preacher who used to go out and preach at bars on friday and saturday evenings and one particular evening uh uh, he was out preaching and it was especially chaotic and it was loud and, and people were pushing him around and he thought to himself, I'm just wasting my time. He said, I'm just leaving and he was getting ready to pack up everything when somebody came out drunk, walked up to him and said, preacher, keep preaching because God loves it when you talk about him. God loves it when you're talking about him. God loves it when you're sharing about his love. God loves that kind of worship. When you're being salt in life, if you ever want, if you ever want to love someone, if you ever want to love someone, love what they love. You know, one thing, you love somebody's kids and those parents will love you. You know, it's true. You love God's kids and God is going to just heap love on you. When you love, take time to love them. Hebrews 13, 16 says, don't forget to do good for others and to share what you have with them. These are the kinds of sacrifices that please God. Mother Teresa said, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Yes, where? Where? Where do I do it? Your world. You do it in your world. You don't need a platform. You don't need to get up somewhere or have some... You just do it in your world with those people around you. You start with your kids and you move to the people you work with, the people that live around you. That's where you start. Those are the lives we're responsible for. 
You know, Moses asked, Lord, how am I to do it? And God says, what's in your hand? Just take what you have. God's not going to ask you to do anything you're not equipped to do. And in the areas he asks you to do something, he's going to equip you to do that. So where you do it in your world. Helen Keller, she was blind, deaf, and dumb. I, I did a report on her one time. This woman was an incredible woman. This is what she said. I am only one, but still I am one. I cannot do everything, but still I can do something. And because I can't do everything, I will not refuse to do something that I can do. There is something you can do. Every one of us in the room can do something. Galatians 6.4 says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. Then sink yourself into it. Here's the final question, the third question. One, number one, be sensitive to the Spirit's prompting. The Spirit is going to show you, see people. See people. We have, hurry is the enemy to doing this. You have to, you have to see people. Because every person I'm looking at right now, there is a burden you're carrying. Right now, there's a burden. Right, you guys are carrying something in your heart, and it's heavy on your heart. You're carrying this right now. And most people walk right by them, and they don't bring people in because you're not seeing them. And I could go to every person in this room, and you're carrying something, and this is what we do. We, we, we said, where is the church? The church doesn't care about me. The church doesn't care about me because they don't come and want to, they don't see me. They don't see what I'm going through. They don't even care what I'm going through. You know what's interesting? It's because they're going through something and they're wanting to be seen. Everybody just wants to be seen and no one's seeing. Well, if you knew what I was going through, it's far, we, we tend to think what I'm going through is far worse than what you're going through. And it's not. But we got to start seeing, because when you start seeing what God loves, the object of God's love, and you start ministering into that, it's incredible what God will start to do in your situation. So be sensitive to the Spirit's prompting. Listening to that still small voice. Sometimes you've been praying for God to do something in your situation, and the Spirit leads you to minister to someone else to give out to that thing. Not even realizing that obedience to doing what that small voice is was the answer to this thing over here. God's saying, you know what? I will do in that situation, but I can't do it until you pour out here. I got to pour out what's in you so I can pour in something new. See people. Find, and number two, find a need, fill it. Find a hurt, heal it. Find a need, fill it. Find a hurt, heal it. Find a need and fill it. Find a hurt and fill it. Heal it. St. Francis Sissy, and, and I, this, this statement, I think it's more than this, but I think it's, it fits this. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. There are people dying and going to hell. People are going to an eternal hell. People are going to an eternal hell. People are going to an eternal hell, a lake of fire. And as believers, we sit there and we think, probably deserved it. We think, and? Give me, give me a message preacher that feeds me. 
Someone else will worry about the people going to hell. And then we wonder why God seems so far away. Imagine if your kids were going to hell and people sat there and they just said, probably deserved it. Why would I give energy to their kids? Imagine someone comes along and befriends your kid that's at the depth of drug addiction in a broken marriage and they come in and they minister to your kids. How many parents in this room would say that would become my new best person in the world? What do you think the Lord feels when we completely ignore the death of the children he loves so much in your world? Not in Saudi Arabia, not in all, and I think there are people in here, God's calling you to missions, and that's important. But you, you have a world where you're at, where God's saying, I placed you there to be salt and to be light, not to hide it under a bushel. Will you stand? Because I really believe that the greatest outflowing of the Spirit's going to happen even in the next few minutes. When God starts opening your eyes to see the kids, he loves right now in your world. That there are people in your world right now that you have been looking past. They have been rejected. They have been looked over. And you have looked over because you're looking for the people with personality, the people everybody wants to be around. If you're a teenager in your, this room or in an elementary school, in, in the school and there are kids, nobody wants to sit around because there's something wrong with them. And God's saying, no, I'm calling you to be the one that sits next to that friend and to show the love of Jesus to those that are the outcasts and the throwaways, not in Jesus' eyes. He loves them. And I'm going to see them for who they are. You can literally lead one person to Christ and change generations of families. One person led Billy Graham to the Lord. Billy Graham led thousands to the Lord because he was seen. Somebody saw him. Father, in the name of Jesus, your word says, give us eyes to see and ears to hear that our hearts would perceive the truth. Lord, we need eyes to see people in our life right now, to see them differently. We need a heart that beats for these people you love. We need to love them the way you do, Lord. And we cannot do that on our own. We need you, Lord, right, even now, to write on our heart, just write it on our heart, Lord, a passion for those that are dying, that are in death, that are going through broken homes and, and experiencing broken homes, that are literally contemplating suicide and not saying anything in our, our moments and days and hours, Lord God, from killing themselves. And they're in my world. They're in my life. God, I'm tired of standing around and hiding my light under a bushel. I'm tired of believing the lie that people don't need to hear what I have to say. God, you have created me to be your voice, to be your hand and feet, and I know they need to hear from you. So, Lord God, give me boldness to go where I haven't gone. Give me the understanding to speak what I have not spoken. And God, cause authority and power to operate, anointing to operate in our life, that we would see people come to know you and that I wouldn't, I wouldn't step away or back away from the calling on my life because of rejection, that I would continue to walk out what I know you're calling me to, I pray. In the name of Jesus.
In the name of Jesus, God, right now I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and write on our heart the love of people that we've just overlooked in our life, people in our neighborhoods, the neighbors I don't like because their dog poops on our yard. Lord, let us see them beyond that, Lord God, a soul, a soul, a soul that needs you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Praise in the good.